Welcome back, Out of the Box listeners. Continuing with our series through the Marxist lens with Professor Clyde Barrow. Today, we will be discussing President Biden's tax and infrastructure plan. We'll discuss with Professor Barrow his take on how Marx viewed the government's role in infrastructure, education, and social policy. Then we'll delve into why the Democrats and Republicans see these issues so differently and what Marx would have said about it all. Professor? Hello. Hi. Really nice to have you on today. Um, could you help me out? I'm a little confused. I don't understand the objection of the Republican Party to the infrastructure plan that Joe Biden has presented. I thought infrastructure was something that every American realized that they needed. Um, the idea of driving on a smooth road or a tunnel that doesn't leak or going over a bridge that doesn't collapse or even the broadband that is needed for American communities. Why would anybody oppose that? Well, there are a couple of levels to this, and I'll just start with, I think, how Marx would have approached the topic, and, and he would have certainly have called this one of the contradictions of capitalism. Uh, and it's a contradiction in the sense that there are certain background conditions that are necessary for the operation and development of a capitalist economy. Infrastructure is one of those things. Businesses need roads and highways. They need seaports and airports and broadband internet today. Uh, they need educated and healthy workers and their workers need places to live and water to drink. So a capitalist economy can't exist and can't reproduce itself without those things. But the problem is individual capitalists and corporations don't think in terms of the system as a whole. They think in terms of their company or their firm or their enterprise, and they're oriented toward the short-term maximization of the profits for that firm. So while they want to use that infrastructure in order to generate profits, they don't want to pay for it. And that's why uh, Frederick Engels, Marx's collaborator, argued that the state is actually necessary to a capitalist economy because it has to act as what he called the ideal collective capitalist. In other words, the state must do for capitalists what they won't do for themselves, or as Franklin Roosevelt put it, to save capitalism from itself. Okay. Professor, is globalization a factor at all in this? Um, obviously, most of our corporations now are multinational corporations. They're either owned by foreign countries or foreign entities, or they sell goods and services all over the planet. And America is just a market. Uh, it's not a homeland. It's not really where they identify anymore on a nationalist level. Has that lessened corporations' interest in infrastructure because of that globalization? Well, that's certainly one component of it. And you have to think of it in terms of uh, China is today referred to as the world's factory. Uh, a great deal of manufacturing capacity in the global capitalist economy has been shifted into China and East Asia. And not coincidentally, those are the places where you've seen some of the most advanced kind of infrastructure development and investment in the world. Many Americans would be shocked right. at how far behind we are on infrastructure development if they were to visit some of these East Asian countries like China, Korea, Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, and, and, and others. Uh, so that's certainly a component of it is that if that's where you're actually manufacturing, uh, do you need infrastructure development? But I would argue, well, yes, you still do. And one of the things Joe Biden has tried to do in the United States is redefine the meaning of infrastructure. Because even if you're doing the manufacturing in China, the financial services are still based in the United States. Uh, a lot of the high-end professional services 
and, and as a consequence of that, we still need infrastructure. We just need, in many cases, a different kind of infrastructure. And that's why he's talking about broadband internet as infrastructure. He's talking about healthcare facilities as infrastructure, because we need workers, we need educated workers, we need healthy workers. And as we've seen in the pandemic, the economy wouldn't be functioning right now if it wasn't for the internet. So is the vision of the non-infrastructure advocates, the mostly the Republicans who are, it doesn't seem like there's going to be one vote for his infrastructure plan is going to pass on some sort of a congressional resolution, reconciliation or whatever. Do they not see the, the ill health of American workers? Do they not see the crumbling roads? Do they not see the, the poor distribution of health care? Is it relevant to them or do they just think this is the natural order of things? What would Marx say that their take on society is? Well, I, I certainly think that social Darwinism has resurfaced in the Republican Party. So, yes, I think you a lot mentioned of this, yeah. would see this as the natural order of thing. But I think it, here would be the, the difference. The Republican Party primarily sees itself as an advocate for business. That means they take what individual businesses, particularly business and corporate donors, tell them are their interests, and they run with that. They don't think in terms of the long-term health of the system as a whole, which is what Joe Biden is trying to do. In fact, I'll just quote you some of his statements from when he announced his $2 trillion infrastructure project. One of the things he said is that his goal was to remake American capitalism. In other words, he wants to modernize it and bring it up to date, as he says, so that we can meet the challenge of competition from China. He's not proposing a socialist agenda. He says he wants to show the world that democratic capitalism still works. So the difference here is that Ted Cruz is thinking about what Exxon wants. Joe Biden is thinking about what is necessary for the capitalist system as a whole to rebuild itself and to continue forward in the United States. He's thinking about long-term health of the system as a whole. Republicans don't think at that level. Well, the Republicans, you know, before FDR came in with the New Deal, there wasn't really a lot of rural electricity. There really actually wasn't a lot of rural plumbing, believe it or not. We all know that. There weren't telephone lines strung to about, you know, a significant portion of rural America. The place was pretty grim especially in the South and in the Midwest and other areas that had a high amount of poverty. Um, that doesn't sound like an America that anybody really wants. Why can they not get one Republican or 10 Republican votes to go along with the infrastructure plan? Is that what we really want to see? Uh, it may not be what we want to see, but I think it's what we're going to get. And you, you talked about rural electrification. I think that one of the analogies Joe Biden is drawing here is is trying to bring Internet to the entire right. country is the contemporary equivalent <laughs> of the rural electrification program because we found out when we tried to put our schools online that tens of millions of people don't have access to internet. They don't have it in their homes. They don't have hotspots near their home. That's had to be taken up by a lot of local governments who tried to plug that gap, but it's not the same as a national program. And there again, other countries in East Asia, they have national policies for introducing high-speed internet. In fact, go to Western Europe, and once again, you'll be appalled at how slow even our 5G is compared to the internet in Western Europe. We're slow. We're behind. And what Joe Biden is saying is, capitalism in the United States has to reinvest in itself if it is to meet the competitive challenge in this case of China. And that's what he's trying to do. 
Well, one of the interesting side diversions on this is the sports stadium. This has always fascinated me because the one infrastructure project that Republicans seem to love more than anything is donate is 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 sports stadiums, which are basically bailouts for the billionaire sports owners and the executives of the teams. But when you want to float a bond for a sports stadium, a football stadium or a baseball stadium or a basketball stadium, it's not a problem. They're all for yeah. infrastructure when it comes to sports and diversions like yeah. that. Well, well that- there's, a, there's a whole program there because I would suggest <laughs> that professional sports are our modern equivalent of the bread and circuses of the Roman Empire. So would I. It's, it's a way to keep the masses entertained and diverted from the, from the real issues that we face. But uh, at the same time, what I'd point out is most of these athletic and sports facilities get funded, as you point out, through publicly financed bonds. They're not paid for by the owners of the, the sports teams are paid for by the general taxpayer. And we're facing the same thing in this larger infrastructure project, because I don't think there's any reasonable corporate executive out there who wouldn't agree that the United States needs to invest in its infrastructure. But as soon as Joe Biden announced that this $2 trillion plan was going to be financed by an increase in the corporate income tax rate, they immediately came out and opposed it, the business roundtable among them. So yeah, they want to use the infrastructure, but they want the rest of us to pay for it. And you've pointed out that the tax rate really isn't very high at all. And Biden's plan to bring it up is is really pretty modest based on historical levels of taxation. Yeah, he's talking about raising the corporate income tax rate from 21 percent to 28 percent of corporate profits, which would merely restore it to the level that it was at before Donald Trump reduced it to 21 percent in 2016. So all we're doing is restoring the tax rate that had been in place for several decades, really, since Ronald Reagan. Uh, We could, if we want to go back that far, the corporate tax rate was 40 percent. So they're not even being asked to go back to the Reagan era. They're just asked to go back to pre-Trump. It's a very modest tax increase on corporations. It'll generate about $2 trillion over the next decade or so. It will pay for these infrastructure projects. And it is those businesses that will primarily benefit from that investment. Last week, you mentioned the wealth of the United States, I believe, was $96 trillion. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, Yes. So this infrastructure plan, which will modernize our country and make us all look and feel better in the eyes of the world and in our in ourselves is a tiny fraction of the of the wealth of this country it's two trillion out of 96 trillion yeah um go ahead it's a very small percentage and you also have to remember that this infrastructure spending is what the republicans will call it yeah is what an economist would refer to as social investment or public investment these are real assets that will generate future economic growth Uh, As a consequence, there will be a return on this investment. It's not money just going down a hole. Uh, This is going to sustain and build and generate more economic growth in the future. And in that respect, everyone benefits from that spending. Right. What did the corporations do with the Trump tax cut? Where did that money go? All the trillions or billions? Well, that's an easy one. You know, they always (laughs) promise, they always promise that they're going to reinvest it in America to create new jobs that we know for a fact that is not where it went. It went to two places. It went to increase dividends to shareholders. 
it went to share buybacks to benefit shareholders. Oh, and it went to a third place. It went to lucrative financial compensation packages for corporate executives. And let me add, at the height of the Great Recession even, and then later, they were also hoarding trillions of dollars in cash. So they weren't investing it. They were just sitting on it, trying to figure out what to do with it. And so they do share buybacks and mergers and acquisitions. They pay themselves bonuses. It doesn't get reinvested back in America. So basically what Biden is saying, since you won't reinvest it, I'm going to reinvest it for you. It seems that this the polls show this is broadly popular. I think I read somewhere that like 65 or 66 percent of Americans approved of you know, spending the, this money on infrastructure. Why aren't the Republicans ahead of that curve? What, what, what is about the, about them that Marx would say they just they are playing it short term? They just care about themselves for the day. They, they have no vision for America in the future. Uh well, I think there's some of that going on, but I think it also goes to electoral politics. And electoral politics for Congress revolves around two-year terms. For the president, it's four. And they have a base of support that doesn't see the purpose of any of this. You know, you can call it false consciousness, some Marxists would. And they're looking to get reelected. You know, any politician will tell you, I can't do anything if I don't get reelected. So that is always first and foremost on their mind. And with Republicans, it has to do with the nature of their constituency. Although I would have to tell you, and, and Marx would agree on this, sometimes the ruling class just does stupid things and they make <laughs> bad decisions, just like everybody else. They aren't genius. <laughs> you you slipped something in there that uh, I'm really intrigued. What is false consciousness? Not having a grasp of your own long-term interests. And that's a Marx wrote that capitalists did that or all societies did that or the working well, class really a, did that. Really, it comes out yeah. of, a, of a Hungarian Marxist, George Lukács, uh, who oh. wrote about this in the 1920s, very famous Marxist. And what is it again? False consciousness? It's not having a sense of your own interests? Yes, exactly. Yeah, not really, ha not not understanding your own objective long-term interests. And is that because you've been told that your interests are but lie elsewhere by diversion about nationalism or racism or you know, just false information coming out of Fox? I mean, why would you have a poor sense of your own? Well, certainly some of it, you know, has to do with 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 ideology and 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 the types of things you just mentioned, the mass media education. But I think with Marx, he would argue with capitalists, it, it goes back to the very structure and contradictions of the capitalist economy itself. And I'll go back to where we start. An individual, if, if you're the CEO of a corporation, you are charged with maintaining and maximizing the profitability of your individual company. You're not concerned with nor thinking about all the other companies that function within that economy, nor therefore with the conditions that are necessary for it to exist as a capitalist economy. So in a sense, capitalists by definition nearly always have false consciousness because all they can think of is short-term profit maximization. And as we've seen time and time again, that leads them to implode the system and to their own self-destruction and then enter the state you know, Franklin Roosevelt or Joe Biden to say, and now I have to save you from yourself, even though you're going to fight me every step of the way. Okay. seems like they also have uh, corporations and have amnesia 
They don't remember 2008 when we had to write checks for trillions of dollars to bail out the insurance companies, bail out all the banks, bail out the corporations that had overspeculated in the housing market. Is there no self-awareness at all? That no, no. Profit statements and SEE filings come every quarter. You know, they're thinking of three-month increments. Okay. You know there's a huge movement now, you know, SEG and uh, corporate responsibility. Even the business roundtable that you mentioned came out and said that your know, corporations have a goal, which is social awareness and social betterment. It isn't just about their own little profit. This green investing now has you know, trillions of dollars flowing into SEG investments uh, to try to bring capitalism and corporations into uh, a better, higher consciousness. What's that all about? Well, you know, there was a time when the business roundtable was considered what we call a corporate liberal organization, and they were designed specifically to try, if you will, bring class consciousness to the capitalist class, or at least to its leading elements, and to think long term, you know, about what the system needed 25 years from now, 50 years from now. And to be a member of the Business Roundtable, you have to be the CEO of one of the United States' 100 largest corporations. That means there's a lot of financial institutions in there. Historically, coming out of the New Deal, banks were really always the disciplinarians of the capitalist economy. They were the conservative, prudent financial investors. That all changed in the 1980s when we got rid of Glass-Steagall when we deregulated the banks and let them invest directly into financial market, into speculative financial instruments. And at that point, really, the business roundtable shifted course and it became just another business lobby. You know, it, it seems to, have, I would argue, have lost its original purpose. And so the fact is, at this point in our history, we don't have a business organization comparable to what the business roundtable used to be before the 1980s. Wow. One of the, again, side ironies I, I find interesting is the business community has denied climate change and the Republican Party have denied climate change for decades now. They have obscured that reality and, and covered it up and denied it. They're all moving to Florida now. As you know, all the billionaires are moving to Palm Beach. The Miami real estate is up 25%. Half of New York supposedly is going to relocate to the no-tax, low-tax uh, state of Florida. The projections are that it's going to be about 20 feet underwater in the next 25 yeah. or 30 years. It's already you know, having uh, huge issues with the king tides flooding in, flooding Miami Beach. Isn't there an irony that, that those that are denying climate change and trying not to save us from global warming are moving to a place that is so susceptible to climate change and may end up you know, being underwater? Do they not see this? Well, you know, as I said, sometimes the ruling class right. does stupid things, and I think that's probably an example of it. But to put a more positive spin, you know, one of the important elements in, in Biden's infrastructure plan are billions of dollars of investment in the development of clean energy technologies to try to advance that. He's also spending something like $46 billion to have the federal government shift its automobile fleets to electric vehicles. It's also, he's talking about up to a third of all the school buses will be electrified uh, within the next decade. And he's also proposing a civ civilian climate corps to cap leaks in oil wells, to shut down uh, retired coal mines. And by the way, also eliminating tax loopholes for fossil fuel producers, which of course the oil and coal companies don't like. So 
once again, while they may deny it, certainly <laughs> Biden recognizes it. And, and a big chunk of this $2 trillion is being invested in transitioning the U.S. economy from a fossil fuel to a clean energy future. Wow. So this elderly president is really bent on saving us from ourselves? Yeah. And, you know, the irony there is that I think partly because of his age, uh, he's sort of one of the last of the New Deal Democrats that's still around. And so I think he very much harkens back to that Rooseveltian tradition in the Democratic Party. Okay, so so like the Roman Republic was always a seesaw between completely insane, corrupt, ineffectual leaders. And then you'd have a new leader that fixed the whole place and, you know, reconquer new territory. I mean, when you read Gibbon, and the rise and decline of the Roman Empire. It was renewal, decline, renewal, decline. It went on for really for centuries. Is that where capitalism is now, where we come to the precipice of decline and collapse of an infrastructure, and then we try to renew ourselves to ward off the ultimate collapse of ourselves in decline? Is this like part of what Marx saw, like seesaw back and forth? Well, yeah, Marx did see it as a very dynamic system. I mean, as we've talked about before, he certainly thought it was going to come to an end uh, within right. his own lifetime. And of course, that didn't happen. Uh, but we have seen these periodic, uh, you know, decline and renewal, collapse and renewal. Uh, I think one of the interesting things here is to what extent is Joe Biden going to succeed in yet one last renewal? Because remember, even the Roman Empire eventually came to an end. <laughs> yes. uh, and so, you know, he's on a very thin margin, right? You yes. know, we have 50 Democrats in the yes. Senate. Joe Manchin out of West Virginia is not terribly reliable. So this could all easily collapse underneath him. We're talking about the infrastructure program if it's, as if it's a done deal. It's far from a done deal. It, it might go down in flames. Right. Okay. I think we'll leave it at that. This was certainly interesting to me. Thank you very much. This has been a copyrighted production of Grapevine Incorporated. All rights reserved.